Today's read, Midnight and the Meaning of Love by Sister Soldier, Chapter 8, Cash Money. By noon, I had sold one of my three three-carat diamonds. Where did you get them? The jeweler asked, eyeing the gem through his loop, which was lodged in his right eye. From Africa, I said, knowing the continent was so huge that my response was the same as not answering him at all. How much will you give me for each of them? I asked him without any eagerness in my voice. We settled on $15,000 for one diamond. He pushed hard for a package deal on all three of the diamonds. He also tried to position his pitch as though he was somehow doing me a favor by buying the gems from me, insinuating that they were stolen, and he was relieving me of my illegal goods. I smiled at the slickness of his angle, glanced around at the arrangements of counters offering hundreds of African diamonds for sale. I assured him that the three diamonds in the palm of my hand were not the stolen diamonds, and that right now, only one of these precious stones was available for him to purchase. I sold him one, watched his fingers as he counted out my payments in cash, all hundreds. I saw how each pile of bills that added up to $5,000 was half an inch high. When my stack reached one and a half inches high, I left the diamond district with my pockets fat and the whole day in front of me. I had the watch repaired and wore it like my father had worn it years ago. I walked into the first travel agency I came up on, Liberty travel. It was a place plastered with pictures, posters, and postcards featuring discounted getaways around the world. Your destination, please, the receptionist asked. Kyoto, Japan, I responded without any real mental picture of the country. I was good at geography, though, and could easily point out the small island on a world map. I was familiar with the country's shape and size, and even the ocean that surrounded it, but that was all. Please, have a seat, and our Japan agent will be with you in a moment. When would you like to travel? The Japan expert asked. Right away, I answered. She looked up from her terminal with a twisted smile. Like, this afternoon or tomorrow, she said with sarcastic disbelief. How much is the ticket? I asked to keep it business. Are you in the military? She asked me oddly. No. Can I see your passport? She asked, like an officer of the law, but I didn't have my Sudanese passport on me. I didn't realize that I needed to present it to the travel agent. It was in Brooklyn, locked in Uma's chest with papers that Uma would say, if lost, would make each member of our family invisible. You need your passport. This is a big trip, 
aside from the fact that by ordering the ticket at the last minute, you lose all of the discounts that you could have benefited from if you had come in two weeks to one month prior to your departure date. No one just hops on a plane to a country that's 7,000 miles away without being prepared. If you don't have a passport, you need to go and get one. The passport office is next door to Rockefeller Center. It's open till 6 p.m. today. You are an American citizen, right? She asked. Her question jarred me. I had recently gotten my American citizenship papers, but I am 100% Sudanese. On second thought, I would have to get an American passport now that my citizenship was official. How long does it take to get the passport, I asked her. Six weeks, she said grimly. I sat frozen in my chair, but was rapidly defrosting as the heat began to rise up from my feet, climbing and spreading into my chest. Well, you don't need the passport to buy the ticket from me. We ask for it because your airline ticket must show the exact same name that appears on the passport, but you will need the passport to travel outside of the United States. If you purchase an airline ticket from me right now, you can take the ticket plus an express fee over to the passport office and receive your passport in three days' time. But the plane ticket is going to be expensive, she warned. I eased back in my seat. That's more like it, I thought to myself. I was relieved that the conversation looped back around to cash being able to make shit move. That's what I was accustomed to. Let's do it, I told her, and gave her my exact name as it appeared on my American citizenship papers. Date of departure, she asked again. Friday, in three days, when I'll have my passport, I answered. I recommend that you fly the following day, on Saturday, just in case anything goes wrong. Give yourself 24 hours to fix it. Once I issue this ticket, you will not be able to change your departure date or time, she said, but you can change your return date and time for a fee. I didn't know it then, but her recommendation would change my life. I thought about it quickly. I had a basketball game coming up this Friday night with the black team of the Hustlers League. I had been working hard all spring for our team to win the league and for me to get that big money prize that would put me and Uma in a more secure financial space with our business, Uma Designs. I thought about it further. Every minute and every day that I delayed or that passed me by put two much distance between me and my wife and too much opportunity for anyone who was trying to (sighs) okay then I'll leave on Saturday May 10th and return on the following Saturday May 17th one week please are you sure it's $200 if you change the return date one week in Japan is not a long time she cautioned One week, I confirmed. 
Would you like to fly American Airlines or Japan Airlines? J-A-L, I answered. Soon she was asking, how would you like to pay for your ticket? MasterCard, Visa, or American Express? Cash, I answered. Suddenly I saw how important it was to have a credit card. Up until now, Uma and I had done good business without one for seven years living in the United States. Now, the agent accepted cash for my airline ticket and for a rail pass that she recommended for the Shinkansan bullet train. She said the rail pass would allow me to pay one fare but use the bullet train all week for rapid travel back and forth between Tokyo and Kyoto. She insisted, however, that I needed to give her my credit card for her to secure my hotel reservation. She assured me that these were peak travel months for Japan and I would be looking for trouble without booking accommodations. The fact was, I didn't have one to give her, and neither did Uma. After one hour in the travel agency, I had my tickets in my hand and my head filled with lessons learned. I became real clear that even though I had traveled internationally before, I had been a child back then. All my arrangements had been made by my father. I had never had the challenge of considering the details. Now I had to listen carefully and absorb each piece of info completely. I had to watch more closely, read documents more carefully, and make decisions with confidence although I might not be 100% certain. The travel agent had been pushy and sarcastic. She proved that even if you don't know a person or even like them one bit, you can still learn something from them to assist you in life. She booked a hostel for me and took the time to teach me the difference between a hotel and a hostel. A hostel, she said, can be found in almost every country in the world It's like a hotel, but it's not. It's housing reserved for traveling students. It's like a dormitory where you will stay alongside other students from all over. It's not nearly as luxurious as any three or four star hotel. It doesn't offer the same facility or services, but there will be a bed in either a private room or with a roommate. The cheapest hostels give you a bed in a large room where there are several beds and other students staying there as well. If you were planning a longer stay, I could make sure that you got into a hostel that has a shared kitchen with a full stove and refrigerator and even a shared living room area. The best thing about a hostel, though, is that because it's reserved for students, it's cheap. There are some as low as $5 for a night. I looked at her skeptically. She added, but there might not be a television. Can you live without a television? I booked a private room in a hostel called Shinjuku Uchi, located in a part of Tokyo called Shinjuku. I could pay in cash once I arrived there, and all I needed to check in was my passport and any student identification card. It was $20 per night, and down the street from the Shinjuku station where the agent told me there was a train going anywhere in the country. Rushing, I dashed into the passport office to get the application and requirements. I was glad I shot by there. 
They were asking for all types of documentation. And now that I knew the deal, I wouldn't give them any chances to delay my passport for any reason. I planned to return there in the morning and be the first person to get my joint processed. Precise Translations was located downstairs in the same building as the passport agency. I stood outside their door, gripping Akimi's diary and debating with myself. Nine minutes later, I submitted the letter that Akimi wrote to me in Japanese for translation into English. This was a new translation company for me. The one I had used for everything else involving Akimi and me was on the third floor. I decided not to return to the same company because maybe they already had too much information on me and my young wife. Now, I wanted to believe that these translators remained neutral, minded their business, and just interpreted the words on the paper. What if they didn't? What if the battle between me and my wife's father thickened? I didn't want to be using the translator and paying for translations that might later be used as evidence against me. I held out her diary, but then decided against requesting a translation of it. Although it might contain all the information I needed, it seemed too personal. I thought about Uma and how private she was about her journal and papers and pocketbook. The same respect I would give to Uma, I should give to my wife, I decided. At my bank, where Uma's account was and the teller knew me from placing our deposits regularly, I deposited $3,000 of the cash I was holding into Uma's bank account. I also purchased $1,000 worth of American Express traveler's checks for my use. The travel agent had recommended this also, and when I checked her reaction when I first tried to book a hotel room with cash, I knew that if I had a few traveler's checks, certain establishments would consider me more legitimate than if I was moving around only with a pocket stuffed with dough. At the Travelex Money Exchange, I stood on a short line checking out the long list of countries and the names of the money they used. The world was a lot bigger than the American dollar. There was the Sudanese dinar, the Chinese yuan, 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 Yan, I don't know how to say that. The German mark, the Indian rupee, the South African rand, the English pound, the Saudi Arabian rial, and the Japanese yen. I pushed 1,000 American dollars through the small curved slot at the bottom of the thick bulletproof glass. The teller turned it into Japanese yen. After being used to handling American green dollars, which were all the same color, shape, and size, no matter the amounts, the Japanese yen looked like play money. There were pictures of Japanese men on each bill, some bills tan, some colored blue. The only similarity to American money was that it was all plastered with old men wearing weird hairstyles that I would never rock. They were looking real grim.